a listener production. <clears throat> Take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. Hello, Melbourne, and welcome to Just the Gist Live. Live. This is like when you order like three glasses because you want them to think other yeah. people are drinking it with you. <laughs> Guys, you know it's just me. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thank you all for coming. Mm. So here we are. Here we are. And in Melbourne. We did a few of these in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Weren't disasters. Not completely, no. No. Some yeah. of you might have heard it. We released the episode. Yeah, we, yes. yeah, we released the live show. Mm-hmm. But there are a, a few little bits that we didn't pit put in that recording. Mm-hmm. Pit put in that recording. <laughs> so, you know. The live experience is obviously. The live experience is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are telling different stories ah! today. Where did that come from? How did this get here? Oh, God. We've been searching high and low for bird in hand here in Melbourne and we have not been able to find it anywhere. I was complaining that we didn't have it and you go, It's a miracle. Someone get a photo of me doing this so we can get sponsored. (laughs) Be sure to tag them. Bird in hand, tag them, tag them. I love it. I love it so much. Okay, did you get it? Did you get it? Okay, good. But not while I was looking at the camera, right? It looked natural. It looked candid. (laughs) No, seriously, I'm going to need that photo off you after the show. I can't believe they don't sponsor me yet. What is happening? I think we all know what's happening there. That was a genuine... Nothing to do with you or me. (laughs) That was a genuine surprise. I didn't expect that to be in there. Hmm. So shall we explain a little about how the live shows go a bit? Yes. So if you listen to the live show episode that we did from Adelaide, you know you're getting two stories for the price of one today. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit shorter than a standard story we would normally tell you. So we will get right into that. Mm. But before we do... I also need to give you a warning that because I do my solo shows with a headset mic. Yeah. And when we record the podcast, the mic's sitting on the table. So you're going to have to remind me because I just keep forgetting mm. So I do, I did in Adelaide keep, like, Jacob kept having to go, honey, 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 yeah. honey. Mm. I think maybe we should do the little thing. Okay, let's first take a poll. <laughs> Is anyone in here one of the people who subscribed, liked, and reviewed the podcast only to put in the comment, love it all, hate the breaking news song. Was that anyone in here? Give a woo. Also, I feel like it was probably him. Okay, who in here likes the breaking news song? All right, don't be afraid. Who doesn't? She threw you under the bus. All right, this is just for you, my friend. (laughs) And I want everyone to join in. Ready? (gasps) Breaking news, breaking news. I got the scoop of C. X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. Breaking news. It's coming down the wire. (laughs) Yay! Sucker, Karens, and male Karen. What's what's that, Keith? Chad. Chad. Oh, I don't know. So, first of all, Britney Spears responded Mm. to the framing Britney doco. Now, there is speculation, and you in the free Britney T-shirt here probably believe it, (laughs) that she didn't write it. She didn't write this Instagram status that she put up. Now, a lot of people think that she wrote most of it and apparently she writes her, like, Instagram updates in, like, the notes app, sends it to her manager and they post it for her on Instagram. So a lot of people think she wrote all of it but then they put in one line that she didn't approve. Which was? I'm going to read the whole thing to you okay. because it really is a literary masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I need to rest it here. On, I need to... 
careful. This is, um, that's precious cargo. Um, okay, here we go. My life has always been very speculated, dot, 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 <laughs> watched, dot, 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 and judged really my whole life, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, point. Mark? Pork. Yes. Pork. <laughs> what a missed comedy opportunity. Mm. For my sanity, I need to dance to at I am Stephen T. Stephen Tyler, I think? Yep. Every night of my life, dancing lady emoji, dancing lady emoji, dancing lady emoji. To, sentence not over. To feel wild and human and alive, exclamation pork, exclamation pork, exclamation <laughs> pork. I have been exposed my whole life performing in front of people. Shocked face emoji, shocked face emoji, shocked face emoji, <laughs> exclamation pork, exclamation pork, exclamation pork. <laughs> it takes a lot of strength to all caps trust the universe with your real vulnerability because I've always been so judged, dot, 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 insulted, dot, 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 and embarrassed by the media, dot, 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 and I still am to this day, Thumbs down emoji, thumbs down emoji, thumbs down emoji, exclamation pork, exclamation pork, exclamation pork, exclamation pork. There was four. As the world keeps on turning and life goes on, we still remain so fragile and sensitive as people, exclamation pork, exclamation pork, exclamation pork. And this is where, because it looks like she's doing a post about vulnerability and being sensitive, mm. and then all of a sudden this line is in there, and this is the one people think was added in. I didn't watch the documentary, but from what I did see of it, I was embarrassed by the light they put me in. <laughs> I cried for two weeks, and well, dot, 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 and here's where people think she comes back in, because she just did a line about being sensitive, then that line's in there, and then she says, I still cry sometimes. Mm -hmm. Four exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can in my own spirituality with myself to try and keep my own joy, dot, 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 love, dot, 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 and happiness, star emoji, praying hands emoji, sun emoji, four exclamation points. <laughs> Every day, dancing brings me joy, Exclamation pork, exclamation pork, exclamation pork. I'm not here to be perfect. Perfect is boring, dot, dot, dot. I'm here to pass on kindness. Lip emoji, lip emoji, lip emoji, several more exclamation porks. Uh-huh. That's the end. And it was <laughs> under a video of her dancing, the way she does... The twirls. In her yeah. twirls. Mm. So, I think that line was inserted. Mm -hmm. I think that is very clearly a, a rambling Britney-style update that mm -hmm. she does all the time and she sent it to them and they just were like, oh, we'll just, we'll copy paste our bit in there. Mm. Yeah, very different tone. Very different part. tones. Mm. That has a lot to do with the way I read it. So, mm. <laughs> but, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm. So what do you reckon? Fake. Completely fake, says the girl in the hashtag free Britney shirt. <laughs> Completely fake. So I'll keep you guys updated, but mm. that's what she said, that she hated it and it made her cry. Uh-huh. And you think that that's on behalf of her dad? I think so, because her boyfriend, her young sex idiot, um, he's been saying to TMZ that they watched it and, like, they agree with it and he's sick of their dad and stuff. So, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely yeah. faked. Mm -hmm. Next. Okay, we haven't done um, an episode on this girl, but we've talked about her a few times. You know that famous episode of Dr. Phil with the girl, nobody knows her name, they just call her Cash Me Outside, how about that? <laughs> I don't know her name. But everyone knows who you're talking yes, about. So exactly. Okay, here's a little update on Cash Me Outside, how about that? She turned 18 last week. The day she turned 18, she set up an OnlyFans account and she, no, don't laugh. <laughs> She made one million dollars in six hours. <laughs> hours. You're laughing like you've looked at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, right? Like, I, I, yeah. Has anyone looked? Has anyone looked at Cash Me Outside? How about that? It's a safe space. No judgment. Despite all the laughter you just heard. <laughs> hey, man, but you could, you're handsome. You could start one. Oh. 
There's good money in that. I mean, <laughs> clearly. Well, I'm thinking maybe we should consider our oh, options yeah. at starting one. Hey, man, everyone likes something. Just the fist. Just. <laughs> <laughs> or if that's too much, just the tip. Oh. <laughs> Oh my God, I feel like we can walk off this stage right now and go make $20 million. Yeah. Like, F, F schlepping to these shows. Okay, let's keep that in our back pocket. I'm also concerned at how quickly you thought of that. Like, gay much? Wowzers. Okay. <laughs> I love her, though, and I've said this before, because every time Dr. Phil puts a kid in their place and sends them off to some camp where they get, like, beaten into submission and behaving, they always are like, thank you so much, you changed my life. And she was just like, F you, baldy. And, like, <laughs> then went off and just kept doing her thing and made money out of it yeah. and a career out of it. I still don't really know what that career is. Mm-hmm. But she has... She, I follow her on Instagram. She's amazing. She's got, like, really long acrylic nails and, like, you know wears a lot of Adidas crop tops, mm. like the kids do. So... Does she post a lot of sponsored content? Sometimes, mm-hmm. for things that I don't understand, like vape pens and stuff, you know, like... Yeah. And so now <laughs> she, she made a million bucks last week, so... Well. Everyone in this room is an underachiever compared to <laughs> the cash me outside, how about that, girl? <sighs> My next little thing is we mentioned briefly that a Belle Gibson docker was coming out, but I hadn't really heard anything else about it. I did mm. a bit of digging, found out some more. It's being made by the BBC. So mm-hmm. it's um, British. They're fascinated by her. The working title right now is Bad Influencer. Mm-hmm. That's sort of all I know. I'm <laughs> really, like, excited that we're in Melbourne because I'm like, Belle? <laughs> Are you here? I don't think she's no. here. <laughs> I mean, I, I looked today because I w- wanted to do a bit of an update on her and I could not find anything except the last update from her, which was January 2020, in which she announced she'd been adopted by her local Ethiopian community in Melbourne and had changed her name to Sabontu. <laughs> oh, Sabontu? <laughs> Give us a woo. Give us... No? No. So that's where she's at uh-huh. and I am Pumped for the doco. And finally, if you listen to the live episode in Adelaide, you know that uh, we're obsessed with this. We're waiting for updates. And in the last week, there has not been any further updates on penis on the arm guy. (laughs) Which I feel like when we're in person, I need to give you the visual. His arm is like this. The penis is hanging like that. I don't know if that came across when we talked about it on the Mm -hmm. podcast, Mm -hmm. but still can't find out. If he's had the surgery, bless him. I don't know if you know, but we actually heard from a gistner who said that she works for the company that actually makes the fake appendages. How could you not have told me this? I don't know. I completely forgot. I, I blanked on it. I'm, who forgets that? Let's say I was preparing to save it for now. What yes. kind of things are you? What kind of conversations are you having in your life where someone telling you I work for a company that makes fake dicks <laughs> is like the least interesting thing, and you forget to tell me? Do you remember how much we've been drinking the last few days here in Melbourne? How very dare. (laughs) Every is wiped. So that is breaking the news. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel so powerful when you all sing it with me. It's really gone to her head. I I know. And it's just going to keep snowballing from here. Uh Suck it, Keith, Chad, Karen. Alrighty, so here's my favourite part of the show where I sit back and relax. And just interrupt me. Yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> because the fans love that. I know I've read. <laughs> Are we ready? Woo! Okay, I've got a story about an unsolved mystery for tonight. Wait, and... wait one second. I'm doing it already. <laughs> Hold on, my spanks have rolled down my stomach and it's really, it's just going to bother me until I pull them back up. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Sorry, gentlemen. (laughs) Okay. Yes, right? It is gender dynamics that I feel like I have to wear those. How am I even getting through this show? What if I get my period? (laughs) 
<laughs> Jacob doesn't like me mentioning periods at all. He's like, <laughs> okay. So I believe they said they were ready for the story. Oh, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> okay, go. So I've got a bit of a mystery story to tell you and it very much feels like a soap opera style storyline that some of you may have heard of before. It's the story of Larry Bader and Fritz Johnson. Ringing any bells, anyone? No? Great. All right, on with it. So... Sabonto? No. (laughs) We will start with Larry Bader. He was born in 1926 in a place called Akron in Ohio. He was the youngest of three brothers who were called uh, John, Dick and Larry. (laughs) (laughs) What another missed opportunity. Mm, Shame. They were so close. Um, Anyway, he was kind of a classic dropout growing up. He dropped out of high school, then he dropped out of the Navy, and then he dropped out of uni, but because he had a fairly well-off family and he was a straight, white, cisgendered man, um, of course he landed on his feet. So he ended up with a pretty successful career. He had a beautiful home. He had a shiny new car and... You know what that sounds like? Gender (laughs) dynamics. Uh, Well... Just wait for it, because he also had a very beautiful wife. And, of course... Ah, of course. She just got straight to work pumping out the babies. They got married in 1952, and then she had a baby every year thereafter. Yep. Reminds me of... Yep, indeed. (laughs) Yep. Um, She was quite a devout Catholic, so that was her duty as a woman to continue procreating. I don't know if it's her duty. I think it's just they're not allowed contraception, so it was her curse. Yeah. 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 Every baby was, like a representation of the only time she'd had sex. Six babies, six sex times. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) So they'd made it up to four. She was pregnant with the fourth child in 1957. And one day, Larry announced that he had to go to Cleveland for work and that he was thinking about stopping off to do a bit of fishing on Lake Erie when he was on his way home. Now, Mary Lou did say to him... I'd really prefer it if you'd just come home because we've got three babies already and I'm very, very heavily pregnant. Mm. Plus, the weather forecast is looking pretty bad. There's meant to be a storm coming. I think you should just come straight home. As he left, he said, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Bless him. Mm -hmm. Such a responsible (laughs) parent. Men are the best. (laughs) He went and did his business in Cleveland and then, sure enough, he did stop off at Lake Erie on the way home. He rented a boat. The guy who rented it to him was pretty reluctant to let him take it out because he said, this storm that's coming, it's going to be pretty big. Um, You're going to want to make sure that you come back very soon. Larry said, yes, I won't be very long at all. Out he putted into the lake. The Coast Guard even came over to him in a boat and said, buddy, it's not a good idea for you to be out here at all. And he said, I've heard about the storm. I'm going to be fine. I'm a man. I know things without learning anything about them. Mm-hmm. I am an expert. <laughs> it's a system based on merit. Gender quotas are dumb, etc. <laughs> All of that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they took his word for it when he said, <laughs> I will make it <laughs> back in time for the storm. We've some stony-faced gentlemen here who were like, <laughs> what have my partners brought us to? What is this? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> There's going to be much more of this, so just settle yeah. in. Now, the Coast Guard were the last people to ever see Larry Bader mm-hmm. as he putted away. He did not return the boat that afternoon. He never made it home. Sure enough, the storm came through and it was really big. They couldn't go out searching for him until the storm had passed, which wasn't until midway through the next day. You can imagine how anxious and terrified Mary Lou was because her husband hadn't come home. Mm. When they finally sent out the search party, they found his boat and it was empty. It had a little bit of minor damage to it and one oar was missing, but it didn't look like it had capsized at all. Mm -hmm. And all of the life jackets were still there, so they knew that wherever Larry was, he wasn't wearing a life jacket. Mm. So they pretty quickly assumed it's highly likely that he's dead. If he's just been swept overboard, um, then he probably would have developed hypothermia quite quickly and then he would have ended up drowning. The family were devastated. They kept looking for him, really looking for a body, but mildly optimistic that he might be alive out there. Mm. They found no traces of him anywhere. And Lake Erie is huge, so they sort of said, well, okay, it's highly likely that he just got dragged away by a current and maybe he's been eaten by some catfish. Yeah. Um, (laughs) They couldn't declare him dead yet, though, um, because there was an outside chance that he may have been ambushed and kidnapped by pirates. 
Oh. Lake pirates existed really? in the 1950s in America. On a yes. lake? Hmm. Oh. Things you learn when okay. you listen to Just the Gist. After three years, no ransom note showed up, so they decided, okay, let's go ahead and declare him dead. Uh That meant that Mary Lou could claim the life insurance and start getting Social Security benefits, which, of course, she really needed. Can you imagine the insurance company for three years going, no, we can't give it to you yet because maybe pirates. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck off. He's out there on a ship somewhere down in the hull. Flash forward to 1965, and in Chicago, a woman named Suzanne who grew up in Akron, Ohio, but now lived there in Chicago, got a phone call saying, you have got to come down to this sporting goods convention. You will not believe your eyes when you see this. So she went down there and the friend who'd called her dragged her over to a stage. On that stage, she saw a very eccentric, confident man doing a demonstration of some archery equipment. Mm -hmm. And he looked and sounded uncannily like her missing uncle Larry. The only Mm. differences were he'd grown a pencil-thin moustache and he was wearing an eye patch. Stop it! <laughs> I promise you. She waited for him to get off the stage and she nervously went up to him and said, Uncle Larry, it's me, Suzanne. And he just looked blankly at her and sort of chuckled and said, I'm so sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about. My name, ma'am, is John Johnson. <laughs> no, are you yes, John Johnson? I promise you. Wait once, okay, hold on. He... Faked his death, yep. drew on a moustache, put on an eye patch, called himself John Johnson. Mm-hmm. Melissa Caddick, on the other hand, <laughs> cuts off her foot. Yeah. Let's it be found on a beach and is sitting on an island somewhere with an amazing prosthetic. Mm-hmm. Men suck. <laughs> Doesn't feel like you put a lot of effort into this, yeah, no. Yeah, okay. Um, Anyway, he swore, no, my name is John Johnson. Folks call me Fritz. Lovely to meet you, but I'm definitely not your uncle. John Johnson. Yeah. Okay, the reason that he claimed his name was John Johnson was because he had been abandoned as a baby by his mother and taken in by an orphanage, and the nuns called all the baby boys that year John Johnson, but with a different middle name. So his middle name was Francis, which was why people called him Francis or Fritz. Just wait one second. So the nuns who are adopting out babies Mm -hmm. give them all the same name. Yep. And I'm... Okay, this is besides the point, but we could probably talk about this later, but let's just do it now. They're adopting out babies in a town or, like, a state... At the same time and then just giving them all the same name. So you're going to turn up to kindergarten one year and there's ten other John Johnsons. But, so, all the John Johnsons were there together in the orphanage and then if they were rented out to people, then they could change their name. Oh, they would change their names when they adopted them. Ah, I understand, I understand, I understand. But he'd never been adopted. He'd just lived his whole life Mm. in the orphanage, according to him. And that was back in Boston. Yeah. She wasn't really convinced that this wasn't him, so she dragged him over to a phone and called up her dad, John, and her other uncle, Dick, so that they could both talk to this Fritz guy. So he talked on the phone? Oh, yeah. He was very willing to cooperate, and he spoke to these guys. Well, now I'm thinking maybe it isn't him. The brothers were convinced by the sound of his voice, and so they made a plan immediately to get to Chicago as quickly as possible and see this guy in the flesh. They chartered a plane for themselves. They tried to get Mary Lou to come with them, but she was horrified at the idea that Larry might actually still be out there alive because... Because that many ditched her. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. And also, it would mean that she was kind of living in sin because she was still married, not a widow after all, and she'd engaged herself to another man. Oh, how dare she? She was very, very happy in her life. She didn't want him coming back and ruining it. Yeah, okay. Um, Sounds like he'd been a bit of a dick to her anyway. So Mm. she probably didn't miss him all that much. So she declined to go to Chicago. The brothers arrived the next day, and Fritz just completely blanked on them. They took him to lunch. They showed him photos of so his family. So he went to told lunch about with his, them? Yeah. What? More than willing to have a chat to them. And he said, look, I'm really sorry for your loss. That's so sad for you. I really do feel for you. But I'm John Fritz Johnson. Let me tell you a bit about my life. So he lived in Omaha, Nebraska, said that he'd never, ever been to Ohio in his life. He'd been a war hero in the Navy. He'd been in there for 14 years Mm. and he was decorated with a bunch of medals. 
prior to joining the Navy. Like I said, he grew up in that orphanage. And lately in Omaha, he'd kind of become a bit of a local celebrity. When he'd first moved there, he'd been a bartender and he got this following of people who loved coming to the bar and hearing him tell his war stories in this really thick Boston accent. Boston. Um, Based on how popular he was at the bar, he was offered a job working in radio. So he became a radio star Mm -hmm. and he started doing more and more outlandish things to get lots of attention for himself and to promote promote the radio station. He started driving around town in a hearse that he'd had pimped up with a (laughs) bar in the back and the lounge. He called it his hunting vehicle because he was dating all of the eligible women in town. Hunting ladies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, Yeah, okay. 1960s pussy wagon, basically. Yeah, Um, He was having parties every weekend that everyone loved to go around to. His house was very eccentric. He um, collected exotic fish. He had no actual furniture, just cushions everywhere. Yeah. Um, so he was this playboy who also ended up becoming a local archery champion as well. <laughs> so random. I know. He married a woman called Nancy. She was a model. They had two kids together. And then as TV started to become more mainstream, he went on to become a TV celebrity. He was like the sports guy on the local news channel, mm. which was why he was at this sporting goods convention as the celebrity spokesperson. Uh. They asked him, all right, but what's with the eye patch? And he explained to them I that he... I forgot about the yeah. eye patch. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, he explained that he'd had to have a tumour removed from his eye. They weren't able to save the eye. So he was wearing it as necessity. No, it definitely wasn't just a sloppy attempt at a disguise. So it's not him then? Oh, okay, mm. I'm on the edge of my seat. What he was describing sounded very much like the type of fantasy life that someone would fake their own death to go and live. Right. Yeah, it felt like what he was describing to them felt very much like something that they thought, okay, you manufactured this after you ditched your wife and kids back home. To prove that it definitely wasn't him, he suggested that they go and get his fingerprints analysed because... Larry's fingerprints were on file from when he was in the Navy before he disappeared. So he went down with them to the police station. They took his prints. A few days later, the results came back. And sure enough, Larry was Fritz. Fritz was Larry. But, okay, wait a sec. What's this, the 60s? Mm -hmm. Is that just someone holding up two prints going, they look the same? Like, how how did they test it? Well, this was his argument that he said, I think you've made a huge mistake here. I want someone to reevaluate this. So they escalated it to the FBI. So they got like one of the top experts in the country to confirm, yes, this is the same guy with the same fingerprints. He seemed to be the only one who was really shocked by this because everyone jumped to the conclusion, okay, Larry faked his death and then disappeared and reinvented himself as this Fritz guy. But he just kept swearing, I absolutely did not do that. Even Larry's dad said, I bet you that's what he did. Has he hit his head or... Okay, I just Mm. feel like, has he gone nuts? Like, what? Okay, ooh, ooh. (laughs) Let me tell you a bit more. Okay. Obviously, things got very messy very quickly. If Larry was not dead, then Mary Lou had to pay back the $40,000 in life insurance and all of the social security benefits. He was also instantly charged with some criminal offences, firstly fraud and also bigamy because he was married to two women and that was treated quite seriously. He was fired in disgrace from his TV job and Nancy had no choice but to have the marriage annulled. So instantly, this Fritz guy's life just crumbled. And he's still, throughout this saying, I am not who you say. Adamant that he is absolutely Fritz. And he kept telling the media, this is really, really unfair. I have more than 30 years worth of memories of being Fritz and now they're telling me that I'm someone else that I do not recall This is like an episode of Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. Yes. He felt like he was in this absolute nightmare situation, he and other people tried to find evidence that he had been in Omaha before the day that he showed up there and started working behind the bar. Had he? Uh, No, they could not find any record of him up until the three days after Larry went missing when he rocked up in Omaha and got himself that job at the bar. So everyone just started accusing him of being a liar in order to form his defence and... 
this was in partnership with the prosecution. They had to have him assessed by a whole team of psychologists mm. and neurologists and physicians. They tested him out for more than 10 days. They did all sorts of interviews, scans. They even tried hypnotising him a few times. They could get no hint from him that he remembered at all being mm. Larry. There was also no evidence of schizophrenia. They thought maybe mm-hmm. that was the possibility. So unanimously their conclusion was, yes, he's developed amnesia somehow and he has actually become this Fritz guy with all of these manufactured memories. Really? Yeah. And so based on that, that meant that he didn't face any criminal repercussions for what it was that he'd done, but his life was just in shreds. He had no choice but to go back to bartending. He lost his house, paying off all of Larry's debts, which were now his. He was also paying child support now for two families, so he was pretty much destitute. Mary Lou... But one one question. Mm-hmm. He developed amnesia suddenly. Mm-hmm. But how does that just means he forgets the life he had? How did he invent a new life in his brain? This is something that there are documented examples of this happening to people. They really? experience some sort of trauma and then they just become a new person with new memories. That is mm. wild. Uncommon, but it has happened. And we'll probably end up doing more episodes about those instances. Now, Mary Lou obviously couldn't get a divorce as a Catholic woman. And so she decided to just come to terms with the fact that she was still married to this man who was very much alive. She tried to convince him to move back home. She called off her engagement to the other guy, tried to convince him to come back and live with the family. He refused. He said he was just too scared of what people would think of him Mm. back in Ohio. So he said no to try to convince him and to try to jog his memory. She went to Chicago to meet up with him and she took the four kids and they had a polite lunch together, but he just kept saying, I'm so sorry, I do not remember any of you at all. Which would have been really heartbreaking, confusing for those kids, of course. That ended up being the last time that they saw each other because one year later, he died. Or did he? Or did he? No. Oh, what? As far as we know, he did, yes. (laughs) (laughs) This time, it was liver cancer that took him out. He was 39 years old. They didn't know what to do about the funeral, so they had one in Omaha for Fritz and one one for Larry back in Ohio. Yeah. And because he died, that's why this still does remain a mystery. If he did develop amnesia, how and when did he develop the amnesia? Yes, that's what I want to know. Now, there's a lot of different theories based on the evidence that we have. There's some evidence to indicate this was a terrible accident and some evidence that's kind of damning that this whole thing was premeditated. The evidence that this whole thing was a true case of amnesia, firstly, he did not lie low at all. You'd think that someone who's out on the land Mm. would be a little bit more discreet than driving around in a hearse, wearing an eye patch and becoming a TV star. Yeah. He also did not flee when Suzanne saw him. He could have just disappeared. Yeah, the like he, he, saw her. he talked to her, he talked on the phone, mm-hmm. he went to lunch. He suggested the fingerprint test to prove that he definitely wasn't Larry. But maybe he is just a genius in that way. And that's where we get to the evidence that this whole thing was definitely premeditated. First of all, turned out Larry was in crippling debt. He hadn't Mm. paid his taxes for six years. And as you and I know, that will come back to haunt you at some point. That does bite you in the bum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was well behind on his mortgage payments. Even the milkman had cut him off because he wasn't paying his milk Yikes. (laughs) That's grim. Yeah. (laughs) Things were not good and he'd hidden a lot of this from Mary Lou. She wasn't aware of how bad their finances were. He increased his life insurance premiums a couple of weeks before he disappeared. Mm -hmm. The day that he went missing, he cashed a $400 check, so he had a lot of cash available to him. Mm -hmm. And also the guy who rented him the boat said he thought it was a bit weird that when Larry went out on the boat, he took a suitcase with him. Uh Mm. Oh, Larry staged this. You've taken me on just a... Rollercoaster of emotions. (laughs) Um, And like we started this story with, he was a known quitter. He had a lot of experience just running away from things when he wasn't enjoying them anymore. So I think that what's happened, he had planned to fake his death, Mm -hmm. go start a new life, and then somewhere along the way, that's when the amnesia 
happened, which rewired his brain somehow. You think he did have amnesia? Yeah. Mm. So you think it's a combination of both? Yeah, and the two no. most common theories are, firstly, that he did actually have an accident on the boat. Yeah. And then when he washed up on shore, he just had all these new memories as Fritz. And, and like a suitcase. Said, yeah. <laughs> the suitcase was not found in the boat either. Yeah. So, yeah, he had that with him and all that cash. Um, what I think happened is he moved to Omaha, started up this new life, And then after about six years of living as Fritz, when he had the eye surgery, they had to take a bit of the tumour out of his brain as well. And so that might have been what sort of mushed everything up and rewired No, too generous. No, sorry, (laughs) no. He is a total Bell Gibson nutter. Like he just started this lie to Mm. scam people and get out of his old life and then he just got so caught up in it he started to believe it himself. That's what I think. Yeah. He's just a total Elizabeth Holmes-ish, Bell Gibson-ish nutcase. Mm-hmm. To the point that he actually believed he would have different fingerprints. To but Larry. maybe that's, well, that's... Yeah, I, I mean, think he was that deluded, yeah. I mean, Bell Gibson faked 45-minute seizures. Like, people do crazy things when they're really deep down in a lie. Mm. Wait, hold on. Who thinks he genuinely had amnesia? Give us a word. <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks he's a Bell Gibson psycho? Yeah, see. Well, there we go. <laughs> Jury of public opinion. Yep. Decided mystery close. <laughs> we solved yes. it. <laughs> um, so you're welcome. I gave you eye patches. I gave you bigamy. I gave you that amnesia. It was a whole season of Bold and the Beautiful just yeah. in 15 minutes. Well done. Well done. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Okay. Hi. (laughs) Who was that? She likes you. Cash me outside. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Okay. I have no idea what Rosie's serving me now. Yeah, Jacob doesn't know. I haven't told you. Mm. This is one that's been in the news a little recently because it was announced that a film's getting made about it. I'm going to give you guys just the gist of Cocaine Bear. (laughs) So we mentioned it briefly in Breaking News, I think a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, because it's been announced that, um, what's her name? Hunger Games. Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks Mm. is um, producing and directing a film about this very infamous story from back in the 80s about a cocaine bear, mm-hmm. a bear that was found dead in the forest having consumed a lot of cocaine. <laughs> and it was kind of like floating around a bit and all I could really find on it was, yeah, a bear ate cocaine and died. Uh-huh. Um, but I did a massive deep dive and I've got, I've got the story. I've got just the gist of cocaine bear Can for you. Can you just tell me one thing? Will you be able to answer the one question that I walked away with when you told me about that? When you said she bought the rights, I was very curious who she bought the rights from. Oh, good question. Because the bear is dead. Well, there's been a... No, there's been a couple of... Spoiler, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> there's been a couple of books written about it, maybe just from... Maybe it's based on one of the books. I okay. don't know. All right. But not from the bear. Unimportant. Continue. Okay. Here we go. Setting the scene. It's Kentucky, 1986. What's Kentucky? What's what's Kentucky? Kentucky? Molasses. Molasses. <laughs> the ones we think are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and then they email us and they're cranky. Yeah. But then someone else emailed us and said, I'm American and we do think they're all idiots. Yeah. So like, Don't worry about it. An elderly man, hears a crash in the night, but he sort of doesn't think much of it, goes back to sleep. In the morning, comes outside you know, to his porch to do things that old men do in the morning. What do they do? Get their milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the paper. I'll ask Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Comes outside, sees a dead man in his driveway wearing an unopened parachute. So the crash he had heard in the night <gasps> was a body slamming into his driveway. Was he all smushed? It was a little... No, well, apparently he looked quite good the only sign of injury was he had a bit of blood coming out of both his nostrils, but I imagine he would have been a bit smushed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how could you not be? Logic suggests, yes. yeah. So this guy, the dead body, he was carrying two guns, a knife, freeze-dried food rations, $4,500 in cash, multiple IDs in different names. He was wearing a bulletproof vest, 
night vision goggles, and I love this, <laughs> a pair of Gucci loafers. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do your crime in style. Look your best. So he also had a duffel bag attached to him, and inside that duffel bag was 35 kilos of cocaine. Wow. Now, the old man was like, well, shit. And he called the police and they came. And as soon as they saw the body, they knew who it was. It was this dodgy drug dealing dude already known to them called Andrew Thornton II. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as they saw him, they were like, okay, something, something dodgy's gone down because mm-hmm. this guy's dodgerama. So they then set about trying to figure out how he ended up smushed mm-hmm. in the driveway of old man Caleb. Mm-hmm. Now... <laughs> Andrew had been a paratrooper in the Vietnam War, which is the people who um, fly in on... Soldiers who fly in on the planes and then parachute down into enemy mm-hmm. lines. So mm-hmm. he knew how to skydive or it. Mm-hmm. Sounds weird. When you're talking about them doing it in the war, it's not skydiving, is it? No. What is it called? Like <laughs> Parachuting. Parachuting. Yeah. Okay, parachuting. So he knew how to do it. He then went on to become a narcotics police officer and a lawyer, so he dealt with all the people mm-hmm. doing dodgy drug things, and then he was like, wait, I could make a lot more money just doing those things. Mm-hmm. So then he started getting a bit dodorama. Um, on the night that his parachute didn't open, it took the police a few months, but they kind of tracked it back and they figured out what happened. Mm-hmm. So he had made plans with a friend to go to Colombia to pick up about 70 kilos of cocaine, bring it into the US and sell it. They were going to fly a little plane back over the border because he knew how to fly planes and stuff. At some point during the plane trip from Colombia to the US, Andrew and his friend heard on the radio that, like, the FBI was tracking their plane Mm -hmm. and was going to arrest them when they got to, I don't know, wherever. And so they freaked out. His friend, who wasn't, like, super-duper cool into drug things, started kicking the bags of cocaine out of the plane because he was like, ugh, and Andrew was like, buddy, that's like kicking literal money Mm -hmm. out of the plane. Stop it. Mm -hmm. And then Andrew was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a five-minute lesson in how to parachute. And so... (laughs) He teaches his friend how to parachute. He says, meet me at this motel in 24 hours, pushes his friend out of the plane, he parachutes, and then Andrew puts the plane on autopilot, puts on his own parachute, gets the rest of the cocaine that hadn't already been kicked out of the plane, and he jumps. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And my first question was, well, where where does the plane go? Yeah. So he jumps... The parachute doesn't open, dies in this old guy's driveway. The plane, meanwhile, meanwhile, crashed about 100 kilometres away into a mountain. Okay. Which is lucky. Imagine yes. just putting a plane on autopilot and jumping out of it. Yeah. Well, it wow. could crash anywhere. Yeah, could have landed on a school. Yeah. Um, I was slightly hoping that maybe you were going to tell me that um, planes are actually a bit like... Roombas, and they just take <laughs> just themselves back. back. If you put it on autopilot, it'll just go back to the airport. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> no, no, it crashed into a mountain. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So his friend, who was just like, oh, my God, I thought I was going on a fun trip to Colombia, and then I got sucked into a massive drug deal and pushed out of a plane, <laughs> he turns up at the motel where they'd agreed to meet, and Andrew never shows. And when the plane is found, not long after his body is found, um, there's no people in it or survivors in it. And so they were like, we, we think this is connected to Andrew mm-hmm. being in that dude's driveway. And so they just think, okay, well, case closed. He was smuggling drugs. Something went wrong. It crashed. He mm-hmm. died. But then, three months later, a hunter is in the forest mm-hmm. and he finds a dead 80-kilogram black bear, mm-hmm. which isn't a weird thing to find in the forest, except... This bear was surrounded by several empty packages of cocaine. (laughs) So the hunter was like, I should call someone. (laughs) So he calls the police, they call the FBI, they immediately swarm in and they search the area and they find a couple more packages of cocaine, but not many. It looks like the bear literally consumed, I want to say he snorted it, but he probably ate it, the lot of it. Now, it's the same cocaine that they'd found in Andrew's duffel bag, so they assume this came from Andrew's plane. Mm. 
but there were 70 kilos of cocaine altogether. Half of that had been found on Andrew. So this 18-kilo bear consumed nearly 40 kilos of cocaine. And it's very Moorish. Here's what's funny. I've heard. I've heard. I've heard. Allegedly. <laughs> here's the thing that gets me, though. Like, bears and animals in general are pretty smart about trying, tasting new food. So they will generally have a little bit, see how it goes before they go back. Like, that's how they don't eat poison mushrooms and shit, right? Mm-hmm. So he would have found these packages that he had <laughs> ripped them open, right? So he'd ripped one open, tried it, and then been like, yes, thanks. <laughs> and then he just literally ripped open all the rest of the packages. So he he had a chance to feel like he really effing liked it before he, unfortunately... Carked it. <laughs> the bear is sent to the local medical examiner because it's cocaine. So usually they don't do. It's called a um, uh, when it's a uh, what do you call it? Autopsy on an animal. It's a necro- necropsy, necropsy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Normally they don't do animal ones, but because of the cocaine, they were like, "Can you check this out?" Mm-hmm. So the medical examiner does the autopsy, necropsy, and he says to the media at the time. Its stomach was literally packed to the brim with cocaine. (laughs) There isn't a mammal on the planet that could survive that. (laughs) Cerebral, maybe my mother, cerebral (laughs) hemorrhaging. (laughs) Cerebral hemorrhaging, respiratory failure, hypothermia, renal failure, heart failure, stroke, you name it, that bear had it. (laughs) But not before he had a really good time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now... That was the end of that, really. Um, like, they, they figured out that it was from Andrew's plane and sadly this bear died. But the medical examiner kind of had a soft spot for this bear and he had a friend who did amateur taxidermy. So when he said to the, like, FBI, do you want the bear? They were like, no, get rid of it. He sent it to his friend to get taxidermied, uh-huh. stuffed. Mm-hmm. And then he gave the bear as a gift to the Chattahoochee Recreation Area Visitor Centre, which is like the little visitor centre where they found the bear. Mm -hmm. They had cocaine bear on display for a few years, but then in the early 90s, there were bushfires, or what do they call them in the US? Wildfires Mm -hmm. um, were approaching. And so they evacuated the visitor centre and they took a few like valuables. So they have like some uh, Native American artefacts in there. So Mm -hmm. they took those and they took the bear and they put them in storage. Mm -hmm. Take the important things. Mm -hmm. Yeah like priceless, like (laughs) important artefacts and cocaine bear. Um, (laughs) So they put this stuff in storage just until the fires are done. And anyway, they go back to the storage locker about a month later. It's been robbed. Oh, no. It's all gone. (coughs) Now, the police traced a bunch of the other stuff, the artefacts and such, to a local pawn shop. But the pawn shop owner said... P-A-W-N, I'm assuming. P-A-W-N. The pawn shop owner said that, yes, he he had had the bear, but he sold it. Um, but he had no idea that it was... Cocaine It, it was just a taxidermied bear that someone had come and sold to him and then he sold it on very randomly to very famous country music singer Waylon Jennings, <laughs> who I didn't know, so I called Caleb because, of course, he would know. Mm-hmm. And apparently he, like, was part of the Highwaymen. Is that... Am I saying... Is that right? Yeah. There you go. A country singer, apparently of the ilk of, like, uh, Willie Nelson and mm-hmm. stuff at the time. Right. So the pawn shop owner's like, I sold it to Waylon Jennings. The police then went to Waylon Jennings and he was like, that pawn shop dude's totally lying because I bought it because he told me it was cocaine uh. bear. So... <laughs> And he said, I bought it for a friend who's from Kentucky Mm -hmm. because I thought he would find it really funny. Um, And so he's like, I don't have it anymore. I've given it to this friend. Mm -hmm. And at that point, Cocaine Bear kind of disappeared. The police couldn't track it from there. They couldn't find the friend until, and this was early Mm 90s-ish, until 2015, a company called Kentucky for Kentucky. Mm -hmm. They're like a little kind of tourist operation in Kentucky, like encouraging tourism to the state. They decided they wanted to track down Cocaine Bear and bring him home. Mm -hmm. So they started doing (laughs) some digging. The trail had originally gone cold after, what's his name? Waylon Jennings Mm -hmm. gave the bear to his friend. So they started there and they dug deep. So they found the guy Waylon Jennings had given the bear to, but he had died in 2009 mm-hmm. and his stuff was stole, sold at an estate auction. 
So they got the manifest of the stuff sold in that auction and there, number 26 on the list, one taxidermied North American (laughs) black bear. So they tracked down the person who had bought it in the auction. Mm -hmm. It was a man named Zhu Tang. He had bought it for $200. (laughs) And he kept it on display in his Chinese medicine store. Mm -hmm. He died in 2012, but they got his wife on the phone and she said... He was always bringing home junk from auctions and estate sales and things like that. The bear was one of his favourite things. He just loved it for some reason. Mm. I know you're laughing because it reminds you of Caleb. My boyfriend Caleb (laughs) goes to estate auctions and buys junk. So Um, many radios. So many vintage radios and so many paintings of country houses. It's too many. Mm. The bear was one of his favourite things. He just loved it for some reason. At first, he wanted to keep it in our living room, but I wouldn't have it. (laughs) It scared me. I made him take it to the store. (laughs) And their question was, do you still have the bear, though? Mm. And she said, yes, I have the bear. (laughs) And the Kentucky for Kentucky people were so excited. They explained to her the bear's history. (laughs) And she was... Part of our heritage. Yeah, it's part of our heritage. (laughs) And so she was like, look, it's ugly. If you guys want it, pay for the shipping and I'll send it to you. So she sent it to them. In 2015, Cocaine Bear finally went home to Kentucky where he was put on display in the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall where you can buy everything from Cocaine Bear T-shirts to snow globes to, of course, Cocaine Teddy Bears. (laughs) (laughs) Great for kids. Now... He has a gold, and also they have a website because during they've been shut down during COVID, so they've been um, selling it all online. I'm a, I, want, I want to buy things. Mm. We'll put the link in the show notes when this episode uh-huh. goes up. He has a gold plaque on a chain around his neck that reads, Here sits Cocaine Bear. In 1985, <laughs> Cocaine Bear was found dead in the Chattahoochee National Forest. He overdosed on 40 kilos of cocaine <laughs> dropped by Andrew Thornton. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Don't do drugs or you might end up dead and stuffed like poor cocaine bear. <laughs> and that is just the gist of cocaine bear. Yes. <laughs> Movie coming soon. Yeah, oh my God, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. That's going to be phenomenal. There's so much more to that than I thought. I, me, But also, like, not enough to do a whole episode, a long episode, so it kind of fits quite well for the live Mm. show. Do they have a rough estimate of the time frame in which he consumed all the cocaine? Well, I mean, pretty quickly, because I think he took it, felt a buzz, liked it, and then just ripped open the rest and went for it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And then just pretty much dropped dead from several... Different what ailments. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. So that was just the gist of that. And Excellent. this has been just the gist live. Yay! Yay! Thank you for coming. We um this has all been a bit of an experiment. We didn't realize like how much you guys liked us and how quickly the tickets went sell. So we're definitely mm. gonna come back and do more, but it's been very fun. And yes. thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Yay! We'll see you next time. Listener.